G'day everyone, I thought I'd just give you a quick heads up about the first 19 minutes of this episode. It features amateur hour poor audio quality on our end. I'm talking ripped from Instagram poor quality, but fear not, the quality does get better. So stick with it because this is one of my favorite episodes so far. Friend of the show, Sam, it really opens up about the trauma he's faced in the past, the years of healing that followed, and how all of this impacted his journey in and out of different religious beliefs and structures. It's just really human and raw, and I found it, as I was editing, just a bit emotional, just listening back to it. So I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I did. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome back, everybody, to Ideas Digest, the podcast that's, Cam, it's more than just a podcast. It's a practice. And it's the practice of humanizing our enemy by listening to them. Uh, My name is Conrad. (laughs) (laughs) He could be our enemy. My name is Conrad. I'm Cam. By listening to this podcast, you're actually participating in a practice. Like, man, what's a practice? This practice, Cam, isn't for everybody. It's actually a little bit uncomfortable, and it's not very pleasant to listen to someone you disagree with without debating them. I don't know how you found it. Yeah, yeah, particularly when it um, when you feel like the positions that they hold, at, like attacking inverted commas your identity. Yeah. yeah, and so it's very difficult and uncomfortable. So as we, you know, as we as a podcast have kind of slowly grown, we found that you know it would be quite a little bit easier if our podcast. You know, Cam, if our podcast was about giving hard and fast answers about oh, complex yeah. things, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, if we were selling the Ab Kim, King Pro or yeah. like how to be vegan yeah. or vegan, yeah. vegan cured my eczema or how to get yeah. rich in 30 days or yeah. how to it's become spiritually enlightened by petting dogs. like yeah, it's I, a miracle salt that will make you rich. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we would we would do a little bit better than we are doing, but th- that's okay. We persist anyway. We still have a few friends at the show. We got so. a few friends at the show. <laughs> we, we, we don't give hard and fast answers no. and we like to highlight the complexities and the perspectives behind the challenging ideas. We fear no idea, Cam. No. Look, you've got an idea, we yeah. will not fear it. Yeah. Uh, and we won't shut it down either. Like it's, Yeah, it's, we, we do believe, the fundamental beliefs of this show, you know, our Christian listeners out there will love this one, our fundamental <laughs> beliefs of this show, uh, we believe we can connect with all people no matter where they sit on the political or religious spectrum. 100%. I believe that. Yeah, 100%. I believe it, and I'm yeah. preaching it. <laughs> There's some, some language preach. language for the Christian. Trigger. Is that there? Trigger. <laughs> 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 We've lost Sam, our guest. He's yeah. like, screw this, I'm out. I had one promise to myself. I had one promise, which is not to swear. And it was my first words. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we do want people to be uh, like honest on this show and if being honest you know sometimes the language you use to express yourself involves an f-bomb you know i'm okay with it i'm sure our listeners as they begin to open up and listen to different perspectives they might understand enough yeah yeah understand the different communication styles and there'll be a little e on the episode and if that's something that that you go i cannot hear those words then the e you'll know already don't check it out but 
if you know conversations about swearing hasn't clickbaited anyone enough let's start with the <laughs> clickbait the clickbait beginning this idea and i guess who has rudely like butted in before we introduced <laughs> him <laughs> oh, i didn't know the rules uh, it's all right. <laughs> we'll we'll talk to you later about it yeah, we'll yeah. give you a we'll bit edit of, you out <laughs> it's a it's just one verbal warning <laughs> it's, it's a verbal warning to start and then you know. yeah. uh, so let's start with the clickbait into our idea now the clickbait camp mm. i think you'll like this and yeah. i feel like it's gonna it's it's gonna maybe mislead us a little but yeah clickbait but is that's the point of clickbait well, exactly yeah. if you're not misled by clickbait <laughs> yeah. then you've been clickbait yeah that's right my family is going to hell yeah, and that's not yours. That's Sam's. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not yeah. mine. My guest Sam has has yeah. you know he's he's come yeah. up with a very triggering. My my family is going to hell yeah. now. If you out there on Instagram are formulating some assumptions mm. uh, by that that trigger, my family is going to hell. Then shoot them through yeah. because I'm now judging Sam. I, I've he's said mm. something. I've got formulating some assumptions, but just to yeah. give me a little bit more ammunition, Sam. Can you just tell me a bit about yourself, where you're from, what you, what What's line your of job? work you're in, What's your education? education level, and we just want to like load up our ammunition to start firing yeah. some judgments at you. Yeah, yeah okay. Well, I'll, I'll just get out all the dirt. So, um, I don't know. My name's Sam. Thanks for introducing me. Uh, I don't know. My background's like this. This podcast could be fairly useless to to a lot of people. I'm not an anthropologist. I'm not a psychologist, but um. On the Central Coast, I experienced some family trauma and then moved into religion and found comfort. Um, headed into probably radicalist, radicalism for a few years, I think, with some of my behavior tendencies. And then, um, yeah, slowly reconstructed what that looked like. Um, but other than that, I, I shoot weddings full time. I've, I've been doing it for about seven years. Uh, so that's kind of nothing to offer on the philosophy, religion or political spectrum. Uh, did you go to Did you go to school or like? Uh, yeah, I've got like two weeks of like a an architecture degree, so I, I oh, got that under my belt. Congratulations! And then, and then yeah, I looked at the math and thought I I don't know why I did this, um, but yeah, no, I, I yeah, just high school education, and then moved into and then started screwing up my friends' weddings. Um, Conrad's wedding was one of those weddings. That's all right. We underpaid him, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, you did. You bastard. Um, <laughs> He's such a nice guy. Don't take advantage of him, people. Um, okay. That's about it, man. Yeah, it's, the rest is boring. Photographer, high school educator. You're an artist. N- not educated. Undereducated, creative. It's like all the things yeah. you don't want to listen to. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. very stereotypical. Right, sure. So he's already confirmed, you know, the first assumption. Yeah. As a creative... You obviously don't value formalized education. Yeah. Oh wow, that's a good assumption, man. Yeah, you know, I'm, only I'm, yes I'm or no. A... There's no nuance here. You can't oh. explain yourself. You I was going to give you more ammunition. Yes I was going to tell you how much of a useless utopian my ideas are, but uh, yeah, I, 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 no. Uh, wait, rephrase. What was the question? I'm trying to think. You don't value mind. formalized education. I, I yeah, I value it. Evaluate. Okay, he says but, yes. Okay, that's a yes. A little bit. We won't include. We I won't include his disclaimers. There. <laughs> yeah. uh, As a creative person, like you're, you know, a bit artsy, bit photography, bit artsy. So, like, maybe your clothes are made out of hemp or something. Yeah, you've definitely got hemp pants. Don't yeah, you? yeah. I don't, but I'm so interested in that kind of stuff. So, oh. if, I, if I had that's more ambition yes. or care, uh, <laughs> I'm so more lazy. You know, like okay. I love, I love the idea of veganism, but I'm, am I going to do it? 
Ah, I don't know. What's the question? Am I a good person? I want to answer yes, but I probably will never get around to it. So as an artist, you're like a very sensitive soul. Would you describe yourself as a sensitive soul? Uh, I am receptive. So no, I'm not sensitive. Nah, too much nuance. Too much no, nuance. we'll say no. We'll say no. <laughs> yeah. Or should we say yes? I lived in a van for almost two years. If that gives you more, more things to throw throw in my way. Yeah, that's whoa. Long. Lived in a van. Yeah, yeah. You are. I feel yeah. like you're fulfilling a lot of stereotypes of creative. So you don't have any money. You're a creative. Yeah, you're you're poor, you're, you're poor dude, and you're living I, in a van. Oh, dude, pretty much right now. Oh. Yeah, oh. But. So you, we're starting a GoFundMe for Sam. You're poor, yeah. but you also have like a camera that's worth more than $5,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. i got to pay my mum back for that. Fundamentalist Christian. If your family's going to hell, yeah, you must you, be. You must believe that, you know, hell's in the no. air, hell's a place and your family's going there. No. Uh, he's really... No. He's really Catfishness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time, maybe. I was open to the idea. Is this your mum's garage you're filming this in? Where is this? I thought this was a professional podcast. Is that a drunk <laughs> yeah. in the background? <laughs> yeah, you know, we can talk about look, that later. We, look, we may have catfished you all right, because this is certainly not professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't let... Don't let the, the bottom of my email tag yeah, yeah. when it says podcast producer. <laughs> yeah. That's all I can catfish bigger fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and everyone's probably like, Conrad, that's not catfishing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I kind of, I know where you're from. You didn't really say it, but you, you're, you're in the Newcastle Central Coast area of New Zealand. I am, yeah. So you're a bogan. I, I'm truly, I'm really true, through and true. Um, I'm trying to think of the most most burning. No, you're, you're lying. That. You you're lying. <laughs> you would say bloody oath, mate, if you were a true bogan. No, you are not a bogan. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't sound like it. Pleasantries over. We've yeah. had some assumptions that we attempted to put to Sam. He broke yeah. the rules, gave us too much information, but hopefully yeah. you know a little bit more about Sam because we all have judgments. We all have assumptions we make. And the best thing to do, rather than to just think them and go away back to your yeah. bubble holding on to those thoughts and assumptions you have, we put them to Sam, yeah. he's put them some to rest and confirmed others, he's probably yeah. wearing hemp pants right now. And that's okay. Because <laughs> if we ex- he was more if we- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We accept him for who he is. Let's begin the conversation at this point and move into, you know... The nuance. The nuance of this discussion. So, Sam, your family's going to hell, but you're not a fundamentalist yeah. Christian. Talk, just talk to us. Yeah. It's over to you now. There's, there's start, a lot to unpack. Start where you want to start and we'll follow you through yeah. where you head. Well, if we're going to start, it, it may as well be at the beginning because it's a pretty pretty big conclusion to come to. So uh, I was introduced to Christianity maybe 14, 15. So pretty young, pretty receptive. Not much of a construction about how things work. Um, Your family isn't religious and at 14, 15, you, you were introduced to it. Yeah, so I... I, I um, I wasn't smart. I was, I was, I think I was a black sheep of, of my brothers. I've got two older brothers. They, they, this is, I, I want to skip over these details, but I've already started, but they went to selective schools. I got put in the, in, a, in the private system. And were you a, you were a state school kid? Yeah, I was. Yeah. And pr- like primary and then moved That explains the lack of motivation. Judgment. <laughs> oh, sorry. That segment's over. I got to stop. I got to stop. Okay. Basically got introduced to Christianity. I, I, my, uh, my, Mum sat me down in 2007, I was in year seven, just, you know, pretty much a kid, and, and she told me my dad had cancer, 
And then I didn't think too much about it till about 2009. And then um, she sat me down and she said, Sam, your, your, your dad's not going to survive the year. So at some point he's going to pass away this year. Um, and you were how old? I was 14 when, 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 when she sat me down to have that conversation. Which, you know, you walk away just going, what does this mean? Like, you, you, I, can't, I don't, you know, your parents act as, as the godheads, you know? So you, they're the creators of your existence. So when they start, when the idea starts to dwell that they're not going to be around, I kind of turned and looked and thought, what is this thing I'm, I'm, I'm floating in? And I was really close to him. And, and seeing anyone that's experienced someone lose, you know, someone experience or, or go through the chemotherapy and cancer, they just deteriorate uh, if, they, if they don't get better. Um, it's quite a brutal process. And so watching like the epitome of strength in my life, which was my father, um, endure and, and just crumble to, to this, you know, this, uh, this, this, uh, this secretive, this mysterious, this, um, you know, this, you, this force you can't see. It's just like, fuck, what is this thing I'm in? Um, and where is this going? And so uh, being so young too, and getting introduced to Christianity, they offered me this narrative, which is like, there's this, there's a, there's, I could escape the fact that, um, I could es escape the, the, the torture and torment that came from, uh, comprehending death, uh, through this ex other narrative of Christianity. How did you come across Christian, yeah. like the Christian church or Christian people, Christian how friends? Like, how did that? that occur? Oh, I was just like a ratty little ready little coast kid. I, I just like skating. I had, a, I had a crush on this chick that went to the youth group. A fr friend invited me along and I was like, yeah, why not? And, and so I started going to this youth group. Um, and I just made fun of the whole thing until until I, I got put in that position of vulnerability. You were around like a Christian group and introduced to it. Like, let's say, let's say most teenage boys are introduced yeah. to it. They're like, yeah. man, there's a lot of girls meeting at this group on a Friday yeah. night. I've got to get in on this. Yeah. And so you yeah. were around it. It's and then, and then your, your dad was going through chemo and deteriorating and, it, and then something. So you were, you were physically in the same space, not a part of it, thought it was a joke, not taking it seriously. And yeah. then something changed in your emotional life. And then yeah. what happened? Um, and then what happened? Uh, I just started, you know, I think trying to combat two, two, two narratives of, of the concept of father. So you got this, the Godhead, you got, you got this God character that I'm starting to get more informed about. And then I've got this other father who's deteriorating, this, this immediate, he's, he's very real life. Um, and then I've got all these people in my life and I was such a, in a place of vulnerability and a few other people knew that and they really took me under their wing. And, you know, I, I really do have so much love for those people despite, you know, going through a system and, and, and coming out, you know, I, I won't spoil the end, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the dual narratives. You thought that was like, at the time, that was like a comforting place to go. You went there because you're, you're uncertain and you were struggling with, um, I guess, cause I mean, that's, that's the thing when you're a kid, your dad, like you said, is, is what brought you into the world. He's, he's this rock. He is this consistent force that's there. Mm. And I guess as you grow older, we, you know, we discover, oh, hang on, our parents don't know everything. Our, our dads aren't know. the strongest people in the world. And I mm. guess that happens super rapidly and to a real extent where it's like, not only are they not the strongest person in the world, but they're not going to even going to be here for much longer. Yeah. 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 And, and, and the time came, it was in August, late August. So my brother woke me up, you know, it was, it was a sunny day. The details you remember are so, so interesting when it comes to, traumatic experiences um and 
And so he woke me up and he said, Sam, dad passed away this morning. And, you know, we all went down to the hospital and we sat in the room and he's, my dad's lying there with his eyes shut. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, there's a dead body. It's my dad. And we were just sitting there and it's confusing. You know, it's weird. You don't know what to say. I'm kind of dark as well. Like, I'm, you know, <laughs> like my mind's just exploding. And, and, and you're thinking, is this right to be thinking? You know, if someone says something, it's just like, oh, shut up. Like, um, and I, I remember walking out and everyone was out and I walked back in and I was really just like, I, I wanted the God narrative to be true. I really wanted to externalize. I, I, I really didn't want this to be the end because I only just got there with this, with this man that I loved so much. Um, and so I, I walked back in without my family and, and, and sat down next to him and prayed for him. I was like, and had you done that kind of thing before? Yeah. I was getting more and more into it. You know, I was hanging out with a few guys from the church system who were looking after me really, really amazingly. Um, and so I was, I was really open. I was really receptive towards that concept, particularly in a trauma. I needed anything. And if I wasn't going to get that, I would have got something else. Um, yeah. And so, I, yeah, so I sat there and prayed. I think I prayed for, like, financial help because we were just devastated uh, uh, financially with, you know, losing half the, an income stream. Um, I prayed that he's, you know, he's... And, 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 and wielding these ideas of heaven and hell, and, and, and particularly because the church I started going to was quite... It was very left-wing. It was like a Bethel situation. Um, it was very, very spiritual, you know, um, it, it, place so much emphasis on that yeah speaking in tongues all that kind of stuff man like you know people finding you know gems and well, well, that that scene people will know what i'm talking about but other people will just go what the fuck did he just say um <laughs> yeah you know i prayed that he's, he's he'd be, go to heaven because i didn't want him to go to hell and I, and I was two weeks shy from being 15 i was trying to conceptualize all this while holding my dead dad's hand um in this room and i was just like this is i need this to be real um yeah, and if it is real, you don't want him going to hell. Yeah. You yeah. want him going to heaven. Like you say, you needed the, the God narrative to be real. So um, mm. what I want to know is, like, you've experienced, like, the finite nature of your father. Mm. And mm. so you, you took this narrative from Christianity of, like, his infinite father, and that was, like, that was what you sort of, you were holding on to. Would that be sort of fairly accurate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... um and then being in that church system as well, you know, I had people come up to me and saying they had dreams of my dad. Well, I think they did actually have dreams of my dad being in heaven. I think, you know, when you're hanging around these, it's, it's a very fanatic community. And uh, that's uh, all credit to them. I think if you believe something and you want to do it wholeheartedly, I, like I really actually um, appreciate people that are, are quite radical. Because if you believe something, then it, it should, really should shape your actions. And when you're doing, yeah. It's like when you see the, the Westboro Baptist Church holding up signs saying, God hates fags. Part of me wants to go and kick the sign down, but another part of me says, you truly believe in a concept of heaven, of eternal damnation. Like, part of me really appreciates that brutality of honesty. Because if, 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 if hell is real, why, why, isn't, why, why aren't people doing more to, to stop billions of people going into this eternal furnace? Like... You know, and uh, we can talk about you know, deconstruction later on. Um, but that was what I was toying with. And so I became quite fanatic. Uh, you know, I started pressing into... To... Yeah, when you say fanatic, un unpack that for me. Describe it for us. 
Yeah, I think there's different, you know, there's conservative threads of Christianity. There's, there's orthodoxy. There's, there's definitely, you know, the Bethels of the world and the like Bethel like, is in the famous church in the United States with like very charismatic, dust. like gold dust coming from the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. People, people, th- um, you know, receiving, having conversations with, you know, angels and and, and things like this. Really fanatic behavior. Really, really quite extreme. Um, and 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 that kind of stuff. So so that that's what I pursued. And I had a few experiences, um, which to even to today, I, I still sit on the sidelines of reality and just say I, I don't know where to adopt this information into. Um, uh, yeah, some of those experiences. Yeah, like I mean, I, just to cut some of the info, I went to, you know, I, I started going to youth group, and then afterwards, I'd go and sit in hospital ER rooms and try and pray for people. I became really quite entrenched in street evangelism. Because um, there was this, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. And, I, and, and in hindsight now, I think a lot of that was in, in, in talking to people, you know, I, I, I think really what I was trying to do was save my dad. Um, I, I was trying to create and adopt this construction in my mind about, about eternity, about heaven. Um, so was your dad, a Christian or religious no, in any way? No, no, it was very atheistic. With your dad, like you said, being quite atheistic and him dying and you like adopting this belief to, to want your dad to keep going and be, and be in heaven, how did, a, how did you as a 15-year-old process that very real doctrine of a literal hell that your dad would be facing if he didn't believe kind of what you believed? How did, how did that work? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, particularly because you think there's so many narratives happening at the same time within the story. And some of the stories that Christianity in particular holds, like, you know, you're also trying to filter in other narratives, like God is love. Then it's like, if God knew how much I loved my dad, you know, and and then then, then you kind of adopt in things like this um, idea of free will and it, and it gives people a choice and he didn't come to it. And all those things are incredibly easy to adopt as a, as a young kid. Like, I, I think I was probably, if, if it was a perfect person to be radicalized, it was, it was my character type. It was, it was my lack of just understanding about pretty much anything. Um, I didn't have any constructions about how the world works besides my nurturing. Um, and I just experienced trauma. And so I had all these feelings and I could have been washed into anything. Um, so I, I, it, it took me, man, that, that, that conversation of how did I, uh, how did I balance hell and how did I, I balance this idea of God being love? Um, that was, that was like a five year journey. Um, that was a continual back and forth and being like, no, I need to be realistic. He wasn't a Christian. And then, you know, people have these prophetic dreams and it's just like I don't know maybe I just need to let him be his own person and I, I think for a while, long time I let go of it particularly because I found this escape where I didn't really need to and of course I did mourn but I became so radical about the faith that uh, that it was truly it was just I had this idea that it was, it was just a goodbye for now. You mentioned that you started moving into doing a lot of like evangelical mm. things where you're like doing all of these like outward works to like try and praying for different people in hospitals. Yeah. yeah. So was that like a, a, um, an effort to prove your father's worthiness to God or something? Like what was, what was the thought process behind that? That's a reflective touch potentially. Yeah. Maybe I was, 
That, that's that's a really good point. I've never actually even thought about that before. It could have been. Yeah, it really could have been. Yeah. I think that's probably, there's a lot of truth in that. Maybe I was trying to almost um, achieve it. Uh, and, and it being so real to me that maybe he'd understand my affection for my dad. And it turned right, around. Yeah. I could, that's, that's an amazing point. I've never thought about it like that. Um, We're talking about you being very led into this space of... Uh, you know how to categorize it evangelical christianity so to speak or pentecostal yeah. christianity and 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 into it into it like full steam uh talk to us about so your entry point you're talking was this trauma and this this like dealing with these difficult emotions and these big questions that you that you're just shot in the face with with the death of like the closest person to you in life talk to us about your now journey within pentecostalism like yeah. you're saying you're very involved yeah. in it. like did you have s- spiritual experiences like because they're kind of known to have these very like tangible experiences i think in the journey of my time you know spending time like doing things like street evangelizing and, and talking to mm-hmm. people and trying to pray for people in the street or in hospitals pretty much just being pretty 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 evasive towards quite a lot of people um but I had this one one experience which would probably help everyone try to understand that it, this really became something that was um, so incredibly real. I couldn't I couldn't even possibly deny. And I, I never thought I'd move into agnosticism um, based off mm-hmm. this one experience of um, basically there's ten of us in a room um, and we're all in the bed watching this uh, Christian film called uh, I think it was like Furious Love or something and there's a part on the film where, where it's a recording of there's maybe Uganda a country like that it's, um, or, or in Congo where it's in, in the middle of a wartime and there's a worship service and so you've got a lot of people in this service that have experienced like family death you know family mm. members getting killed um, it was quite a few years ago when, when things were incredibly heated and, um, and so the screen goes black and this music plays and there's the worship sounds of all these and as you know it's beautiful it's it's so incredibly beautiful but at the time and this was probably like one or two in the morning um after like a youth party event and two two guys at the back of the bed jumped up and started swearing and being like the door just opened there's no one on the other side a light shone in light left and the door shut and i'm you know you're thinking yeah you're just drank yeah. too much you know at the time probably coca-cola i can't say it was, it was any <laughs> too many fizzy drinks <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyway i stood there with 10 other people and i watched this door open um this light came in the light left the door shut um so they said it and then you saw it or yeah so it happened twice and then this door like i was trying to proof test it i was like there's, there's carpet it wasn't gonna i wanted the door to be able to swing because then you can kind of justify maybe with wind but it was completely yeah. immovable and you visually saw this i visually saw this yeah and, th- and that oh. sold me it was like it's like just getting a little glimpse and you know you experience something like that where you don't hear anything like this yeah yeah and you don't yeah. really come across too many stories so i kind of created this particularly with the suffering i held like i was god's immediate friend i was um, right. connected to the divine and there was nothing that could stop me and i think because of taking that experience which created a conceptualized this alternative reality of heaven hell and spirituality as a young kid dealing with suffering mm. Um, all these stories became so real to me that um, I, I, I had to take to the streets. I, I, I did sit in hospital rooms. Well, you took it seriously, right? Yeah, I did. And I was also kind of frustrated with the way that um, a, a lot of the, the world didn't. Uh, 
And so I kind of just, yeah, it's interesting looking back and seeing the position I was in with the love. And I wish, I wish that experience never happened to me. I wish I could say, I wish I could create some justification that that never happened. Um, But you don't have a good one. I don't have a good one. Man, I tested the thing. Like, you know, I really didn't want to believe it. Of course, at the time I did, but I really wanted to proof it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I and then other things would happen, you know, like I'd I'd go out on these like treasure huntings. But in the Christian world, you go out on a treasure hunt and you um you pretty much pray for things and you go out and go go find them. And you yeah. write them down. Oh, so yeah. I, I yeah. For people or like you'd obviously not praying to find like a a red velvet glove in the park, you're like, <laughs> All right, let's go. Yeah, like, man, yeah. yeah, no Easter eggs, just like, you know, you're finding yeah. you know, people in wheelchairs vibes and you're like going to pray and and heal them and things like that yeah that was the intent did you ever heal anybody in a wheelchair uh no not in a wheelchair yeah that insinuates that i i I did heal like i don't know but i you know (laughs) no but do you like do you believe like when you were doing that like did you heal people from your perspective in my perspective that did occur from the people's wow. person's perspective, it did occur. You know, I think there's, there's probably that stuff you can disqualify really easy. You know, yeah. Um, uh, and 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 that's I'm completely fine to let all of those spiritual experiences uh, out the door. I had this one thing the the night that I was going out and um, treasure hunting. It sounds so ridiculous now I say it, um, but uh, I had this dream of this woman walking. Um, uh, uh, down an hour 11 down a Coles and she was, was, it was an older lady. She was wearing a pink shirt, white pants, pushing a trolley. And then I'm, mm. I'm on my treasure hunt and I'm like, oh, I had that dream because I wrote it in my notes. So it was time slotted and time stamped in the morning. And so I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm going to walk down aisle 11. I, you know, uh, I feel the need that I should. And so I did. And, you know, no one was in the aisle and I got to the end. And in walks this woman that I dreamt of. And so I taking these experiences wow. and then, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I don't know what to do with that information. Uh, you know, that stuff I can just. I also discard that story as just luck. Um, uh, I mean, there's some serious odds, yeah, mate. If that's, that's your luck, <laughs> you better buy a yeah. couple of lotto yeah. tickets and go to sleep and get some yeah. numbers. And <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll though, join a syndicate you? with you because I want some of that sweet cash too. <laughs> that's like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've won the lotto so many times. I just keep losing the ticket. okay all right this is yeah then but you know how many old ladies wear pink shirts and white pants like it's a pretty classic old lady sitch at a certain time (laughs) i don't know we can go test this when we when we catch up and we'll 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 play the play yeah and honestly yeah and i saw i showed this woman the time stamp and i you know i said the thing that i felt like i needed to say to her um and these are the kind of positions i was in so you, you can you can so you can kind of you, before you go on like what oh, like please, how was, i want to go on one question what was her reaction like what like what tell us more about that experience like <laughs> I, I was reacting i was trying not to react to her uh, more than her she was a jehovah's witness and this thing the message i i felt like i needed to share with this woman was that she, she needed um, Jesus in her life, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry to everyone 
I, I, it's, it's interesting no, it's also analyzing the shame that pops up when you, when you recount these stories, it's, it's quite a reflective yeah. process. Yeah. Cause I am, I am obviously if, if people are listening and watching, they might be picking up what we're picking up and obviously you don't sit here anymore. <laughs> yes. Obviously yeah. you have had these spiritual experiences, um, f- within a, within a, like a Pentecostal church that you can't explain and to this day yeah. you still can't explain. It doesn't but, sit well with you. And you say things you like, I wish <laughs> they didn't happen to me because you can't quite explain them. Yeah. Um, just the one. Just the one I can't, but yeah. Just, yeah. The, just the one. So you've explained that one away as luck. So obviously you're not... Yeah, I have. Where you're, right now, you're not where you were. Yeah. So lead us to that next step then. You were very involved yeah. in Pentecostalism. You... You we'll had you move on. <laughs> like you were very much within that world of having spiritual experiences. I'm sure, like if you're in worship services, I'm sure like gold dust and and these very like profound things. You were well a part of that world, like prophesying. They yeah. would say healing people, uh, yeah, visions, yeah. healing people. Yeah, like you were very in that world. What was the next step for you to even begin to leave such a world that has so much personal experience that can justify the existence of that type of God? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm within all these 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 things that allow you to create such a bias um, within that world. I, I'm contemplating these narratives: God is love, hell. Um, homosexuality is a sin um a lot of these like kind of brutal ideas that you think how do how do these all mesh together this thing's got to come it's got to be it's got to work towards the same thing and there's all these conflicting ideas and i i think i what my drug was pushing me through the process is probably anxiety because i i was trying to contemplate uh how i could save my family like the immediate ones i, I loved um and so I started wrestling with ideas like um, hell. And actually, there was one point when my brother I was trying to talk him into, into, the, into the world, of, uh, into becoming a Christian. And he said to me, Sam, I love the idea of everything you're saying. I just don't get behind the whole idea of... He had a lot of uh, gay friends. And um, he said, I, I just don't understand why it's wrong to be a homosexual. And I was like, that's a great point. And so if you imagine now the gatekeeper to saving my family is now this, this biblical understanding or the biblical background of why it's wrong to be a homosexual. Um, that was, that was the gatekeeper. So I need to go chase that thing. So I, at the time I changed church cause I wanted to get a biblical, more of a biblical, uh, belt. Um, okay. So now we're at the clickbait, right? We're at the clickbait where you said, yeah, you're now in this church and <laughs> my family's in hell that like you're like crap yeah. i really love these people i really want to save them and you just said you had a lot of anxiety now yeah, yeah. and are chasing the doctrines and the things that can bring your your family to jesus as you're trying to save them from a literal burning place yeah yeah and at this time too i was uh, you know probably around this time i was 18 i reckon by now um I just started working 40 hours a week in a, for a media company editing uh, a, a TV program called Joseph Prince. Oh. That was the, the mm-hmm. that was the that was the project I was assigned to. So, you know, 40 hours gener- generously of of just digesting um, preacher content is like the gem of uh, Singapore in in terms of 
rich pastors. He's like the Joel Osteen right. of Asia. Um, oh, really? So right. he's like a, yeah. a like a prosperity gospel kind of guy, and you're sitting in a room yeah, editing man. his content. For, yeah, forty hours a week, sending them to like you know three hundred countries or something. It was like millions of viewers. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it, it's quite intense. I think in 2014, he was like the 10th richest pastor in the world. I'm wow. glad they've even got a ranking of that. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make Yeah, they do. Sense. I don't know how they come up with some of these statistics. You think, how, who's that guy? Yeah, um, and I was also, you know, one of the big steps as well was um, I started uh, traveling a bit for work because I was trying to set up this wedding business. So I was starting to book in like, you know, some destination weddings. I, I spent a month in the, in the Philippines shooting for NGOs. Um, and actually being in the Philippines, I feel like I, I, you know, coming from my Western background and my oversimplification of ideas of heaven and hell and all these constructions and then jumping into a third world country um, at, at, you know, fresh 18. And, uh, you know, I'd, be, I'd spend time playing soccer games with, you know, maybe 15 to 20 uh, girls under the age of 12 that are being rescued from sex trafficking. And it's just like, mm. okay, now this is another narrative I need to program into into my, into my the whole story arc of how this thing works. Like the right. injustice of it all? Like you're yeah. exposed to the horrific nature of like sex trafficking and then you're like, well, does that call into question like the God... And con- God's nature. God, and, yeah, yeah, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then why is no one doing anything about this? You know, I was such like, I was just fueled with mm. testosterone and anger and questions and, and, and trauma and, and action. And there's these other worlds and people are so addictive to these other narratives in society about, you know, materialism. And, and meanwhile, I'm having these experiences and trying to filter this understanding. And, you know, I'm pulling the strings, I was trying to in, in, in reality, it was trying to save my family. It's just like this, you know, this head case, absolute head case. Like, I, I was really a different person, I think. I mean, I say that, I probably wasn't. I just wanted to, before you moved on, I just wanted to get your thoughts on what you were doing with those questions. Like, it sounds like you had oh, yeah. a heap of questions. Were, were they expressed were you asking anywhere? People? Did you have a community that you could uh. engage with or was it just like repressed yeah. or what was happening? Yeah, I, I, I was trying to, yeah, I was asking a lot of questions. I wasn't really getting, uh, I was getting some answers, but I think were a you, lot of people were confused that I was going to as well, you know. And, and some were of you asking pastors? I was asking pastors, yeah, some of which are uh, uh, in the same posture as I am now. Uh, uh, you know, I think these questions can get under your skin and you, know, you can't just pluck it out. You really just got to dive into it. Um, yeah. Because it sounds like, like your personality type just the the common thread I'm seeing through all of this is like when you said before that you respect those people who are like standing on the street corner saying you're burning in hell change from your ways. It sounds like in a way I'm hearing like a similar, like a similar construct within yourself that as you're following, uh, these new questions and, and being introduced, this new trauma and these new difficult situations, you're being handed ideas and you're taking them seriously. You're yeah. testing them seriously. You're yeah. like, no, no, if I truly believe in this doctrine of hell, my family's going there. I need to do something. If I yeah. truly believe uh, that if God that's real, is real, then I need an action on it, the other side of it. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like you're being handed these beliefs and you're someone who is actually believing them and taking them seriously. And this yeah. can, this can, this, we we had Peter Rollins, a guy on the podcast, who says a lot of these ideas about people might hold the belief 
of hell and say, yeah, hell is a literal real place. Mm. But if they're not standing on street corners telling people they're not going there, then some part of them mustn't be taking that seriously because how yeah. could you tolerate yeah. your best friend burning and writhing in a literal place forever? So yeah. you seem like someone who took these seriously. If God is love and loves everybody and you're watching people be sex trafficked and go through yeah. the biggest suffering that humanity can even go through, you're really trying to piece together this this brutal reality of the world and then this story you've been handed by by Christianity. And that seems to be this thing that's kind of pushing you from one question to another and, and just pushing you further and further down the rabbit hole, so to speak. Does that, is that sum it up? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. I met this one guy in the Philippines and he epitomized like the, the, the you know, the, the character that fits, that, that really gave himself towards the narrative that really gave everything he had and gave it to the poor. I was in the Philippines and um, I, th- I think the slum community, I think the, the part was called Prosecco or Paseco or something like this. It's on the, um, it's in Manila. It's on like the shipping, shipping yard. So it's incredibly high, high end real estate for government. And so I was there probably two yeah. weeks after fires were cast and you, you know, within these slum communities, which just span for as long as you can see, and they just built, built up and up and up. If ever, anyone's been in Manila, they just set fire to, um, well, rumors were the government set fire to the slum community. And we're talking like wow. 115,000 people per square mile. It's about 45,000 people per square kilometer. It's one of the densest countries in the world. Um, and I'm walking around with this guy who just built his house, you know, this guy from Australia, built his house in a slum community. No one knows about this guy. He's not famous. No one, no one gives, no one cares. He doesn't have an Instagram, doesn't have a podcast mm. in his bachelor pad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, you know, he, he, he just moved there with his wife, built his own house out of the, in the slum community. And, um, and he just uh, educates kids uh, and also, you know, helps them adopt a Christian viewpoint. And we're walking around together and I'm stepping on bags of shit, like mm. bags of feces, like they just, they, you know, taller, the red bags put on the ground. And, and wow. eventually we're walking so long and he goes, have you realized we're actually two stories high now? We've just been walking on, um, we've just been walking slowly uphill um, on bags of, you know, rubbish and, 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 and wow. poo bags. And, and anyway, yeah. so we started seeing some of the families, um, and, uh, uh, and this, he walks up to this kid and the kid's got like this thing under his shirt. Um, it basically just had this bag. I think it was his kidney was out and he just had this, like a medical bag over the top. And this kid, this kid's like seven or eight. Holy crap. Um, and then like two, maybe two minutes later, we walk around the corner and we're standing in like a shack with a bunch of people. And everyone's happy, of course, you know, it's your classic, yeah. classic, everyone's stoked to be alive. I don't, I, I don't know what the, I don't have that understanding of, I, I couldn't yeah. possibly understand with my, my landscape of how my psychology is building my nurturing process. But um, mm. it, anyway, I meet this girl and, um, and Mark's like, how old, he's a very blunt guy. He's like, how old do you think this, this girl is? And I, and I say, I don't know, maybe like seven, in between seven and nine. And, and he goes, she's, she's 18. She has a hole in her heart. And it's like, you know, there's no way she'd be alive now. And so, yeah. and I've got this guy who, who, who's really exemplifying, like just give all you have and, and give, you know, give it to the poor. This guy that's just built a slum community. Maybe he's talking to 20 kids, if that, and he's just giving his life up for this. 
um, living in these communities, uh, you know, which are devastated commonly by fires that just blast away or, you know, so much of some communities that just uh, have been built in prime real estate in Manila. Um, mm. You know, and I, I started doing this, like you started going overseas more and, and having all these experiences. And, 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 um, and then when I got back, I, I think I was just angry. I think, I think a lot of people are when they first experience, you know, the culture shock thing, you come back with anger. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's a bit of, you, you're trying to work out how, how it all fits. The injustice, right? The yeah. like, how can I live in this world and be pissed off that there's not four lanes of traffic? Yeah. Like four lanes. This yeah, man. Three, like. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you catch yourself in it. And it's just, you know, you, you know, conversation for 40 minutes with a friend who's, you know, talking about uh, something that's really tragic to them and traumatic for them. But you just don't, you don't yeah. care because there's this whole other reality. And so now you're just this kind of unpleasant human being with all these Mm. questions and you know of course at the time like uh, a lot of the time you know i'm just being 18 19 and you know doing the things i was doing i wasn't walking around in anguish crying mm. and throwing rocks at buildings um but uh I, I i did begin the story you know my next journey of probably deconstructing hell um um through attaching myself to some of the more uh liberal uh understandings of of interpreting biblical scripture so you know hell okay. is a uh, reference is Gehenna it's a, it's a town dump there's the wild dogs there's gnashing of teeth it's always on fire it's not eternal because your family was in hell you're doing whatever you can to save them yeah. and because you couldn't save them by making them come into your exact belief system you started to bring like almost push the belief system in a way towards them in, in saying okay well they're going to hell well I'm just going to keep searching and oh well, well this more liberal group group maybe don't believe in a literal hell and and this group over here maybe do accept homosexuality maybe they're reading it wrong is that's the journey that's happening you're kind of dismantling these these theological beliefs that keep your family in hell or yeah that's right as you're questioning where does that lead you well yeah i started deconstructing started with homosexuality as the first because that's easy to get rid of um there's only six biblical um, references to homosexuality. Homos consensual homosexuality wasn't even really a thing. It, there's, there's, historically, the Bible can never address uh, homosexuality in, in a consensual one-on-one -on -one relationship. It, you know, it, it, there's, there's quite um, extensive research to show that in its reference to homosexuality, it's talking about orgies. Um, men right. going off to war, having orgies with each other. Um, and, and you can imagine, right. like, you've got a lot of older, strong men um, with a lot of younger boys who, who, who were sent right. to war as well. And that's pretty, that's pretty bad. You know, you want to that's spoon someone at night and you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's, what I, that's the framework I adopt. I don't, I don't really care for arguing some of the framework around it. That's, that's, right. that's, 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 just, what, that's what you moved through to yeah. go... Hey, you're like with your brother that you were saying, you're saying, yeah. no, no, like it's actually Christianity doesn't do this. I've looked into it um, yeah. and there's research to say that, you know, it's, it's not. It's not what we think it is. It's not what we yeah. think, right. Yeah. yeah. Here's the key to the gate. Come on in. Um, yeah. And then, I, and then I moved to hell and then I, mm -hmm. I, that was a pretty one to, to get rid of too, but particularly with the competing narrative that God is love. And at that point, I, um, I saw so much hurt within the church structure that I was part of, you know, like I'd have gay friends coming out to me. Um, 
and and I'd be like, you know, I'm on your side, and I'd research it and, and, and looked into things, and, and they knew my position on it too. Um, so they found comfort in opening up to me, which is actually just such a beautiful, beautiful thing mm. to. It's probably one of the most, yeah, one of the moments that I'll probably remember forever. Um, and and then hell, when I when I started deconstructing that, I became really angry at people that would um, within the church structure. You know, that anger is just filtering through this whole process. I'm I'm never really properly dealing with it. But when people with, that have been uh, bred, that born, been born and grew up in a church system. Um, and they'd be like, you know, hell exists. We've got to like, you know, it's, it's kind of the save the sinners mentality. And of course, it's language that makes it sound a lot better. But when you're hearing that and you're thinking, man, you, you, you're, you've just grown up in this thing. All, all your family's in the system. All your friends are in this system. That is very safe for you to believe. But if I want to adopt that belief, I have to, I have to, in my, I have to kill everyone I've you know, my whole family system go, mm, goes to that place. But my, my yeah. dad's already dead. He's goes there too. So when you're mm. saying this and you're fluffing these words out within a prayer meeting or something like this, you, you know, you're, you're really triggering me in, in, in a certain it, way. They're talking yeah. about a concept, but you're talking about reality. Reality, man. Yeah. And particularly, you know, you can imagine my posturing towards, towards reality after a lot of those experiences. And then, you know, as I started to, uh, to, to, to find information through a, a quite a, you know, left-wing kind of thinkers who, who you know, I grew to adore, you know, I, I started deconstructing things like prayer. Like, you know, when you pray for someone, nothing happens. Is God listening? And I found this really beautiful idea that prayer is for us. And so when we pray, what we're really doing is it's a form of meditation. It's for, for our own posturing. It's, you know, ha- having a form of stance that's a blessing. And, and and it's a way to deal with us for the pain. Um, I think Rob uh, Pete Rollins has a throws out a beautiful parable, and I'm going to absolutely um, bring it to shame about a a woman who uh, loses her child. Um, it's a parable. So a woman a woman's child dies, and she goes around a town to try and find um, a medicine to to revive the kid. And and then someone says, "There's there's a man on the mountain. Uh, go to him." And it's you know. She carries a kid and she's wailing and she's, she's, she's upset. She gets to the front door and breaks down and it's like anything you can do um, to bring my kid back, uh, 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 please just do it. And he says, go and find, you know, uh, I'm bringing this story to shame, but go and find a clover from a family in your town that has not experienced the sting of this kind of death. And then she brings her child back down the mountain and knocks on every door and, and listens to the stories where everyone in this community had experienced that form of death. And in, in the sharing of story, which is, you know, kind of is a, is a form of transparent kind of prayer, she found the, 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 the courage and the connection to be able to bury a child, um, which mm-hmm. kind of really dismantles. I, I think it is a, it is a great metaphor to, to move into, to, to uh, project prayer onto that story in a certain way. You know, of praying with other people who are feeling the same thing, you find courage and you find strength rather than this, God, please change your mind. Please fucking tornadoes are coming. This would be sweet. Um, yeah. I'm moving through ideas because, and I think in my framework in hindsight, you can't just, you can't just take God away. Um, right. It's like the game of, is it Jenga? The blocks you build up. Yeah. It's like you got to you got to sell at the top. You can take the bottom one out. You, the whole thing's going to crush. So if you you know right. you, you you you, and it's so often you see people arguing with Christians about like you know the validity of God or they're trying to argue it from a science perspective. But what they're really doing is trying to pull out those blocks, and that thing's so heavy. They're not ever going to 
they're not ever going to do that. So it's, it's not something, you know, that's where we, we start to see um, behavior types like tribalism and it's like this group mentality and it's everyone holding on to this idea together because when you start pulling out those bottom blocks, it's destructive. Um, mm. So I moved on to prayer and then, you know, naturally when you, when you deconstruct hell, um, you, 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 you also need to reconstruct salvation and what that means. Um, right, because if 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 hell isn't the byproduct of not being saved, then yeah. heaven can't be the byproduct of being saved. So yeah. you're like, well, what is salvation then? Yeah. yeah, and I moved into this. You know, this thing is like very much um, about the here and now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like a Richard Raw, Cosmic Christ. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I really dived into the liturgists. Like I loved Rob Bell. Like a lot of these. Really like the heretical arm of yeah. Christianity where they're yeah. very open, they include everybody, everyone's yeah. kind of saved, they'd be labelled a universalist by most Christians, but you found yeah. like you found like was that a helpful space to be in? Was that Yeah, man. Yeah, it's like going to that Christian bookstore and going, you know, going, Where's the back room? It's like asking for, you know, the secret <laughs> The secret porn. The secret stash. <laughs> Have you got any... Yeah, uh, where's your Rob Bell? I need some hearsay. Rob Bell? Oh, 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 I know a guy, though. I know a guy. Yeah. I can get you what you need. Yeah. yeah. And I'm also going to sell you this other book on, uh, you know, by Francis Chan. Um, who, <laughs> right. Who yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a two for one. And if you buy a Rob Bell, you get an obligatory Francis yeah, Chan. Yeah. 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 Just yeah, to balance yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Kurong. That's that book. So... so- <laughs> that parable that you shared that Roland shares as well. To me, I hear a lot of like community, like interpersonal relationship, like connection, like individual connection with people is like crucial to her healing of her pain the human um, journey. And, and that human journey. So was there for you, as you're walking through these questions and deconstructing mm. and stuff, did you have like a similar experience? Those people. Yeah. Like, were there people that you could, you could trust and, and talk to and explore these ideas with? At times... You know, I, th- I think to the capacity of the person of where they wanted to walk with me, there were, there were certain people like broadly know, because I think when you start saying, Hey, I've got this trauma, I'm trying to integrate with Christianity. Um, mm. um, and, and I'm, I'm reconstructing hell and I'm reconstructing salvation and I'm reconstructing, um, all these certain things that the other party has relied on all their life. Um, mm. You know, people only want to go to a certain point. Um, right. Because if you go too far, you're not, you're not just talking about your, your deconstructing your understanding and how, you, how you've built the Django game of trauma and how it all leans on each other so, so it doesn't collapse. You pull you know? one brick you and you collapse the trauma of something else. Yeah. And when you, when you turn to a friend and say, hey, I've got this, and, and with all these concepts and it's so fragile, you start pulling away their bricks too. And the conversations are uncomfortable. No one wants to have them. There's not a space. Like you really got to, you really got to have a good friendship to get to that point with someone. You felt then quite alone being in in a Christian community when you try and bring up these things that like trauma and experience has led you to to find this peace not working properly. And yeah. as you talk to someone about pulling it out, you're discovering that that they're, they either can't pull it out or they, they don't, don't have the space for they it. They don't have the space you know, for yeah. it and, and you don't want to like do that to them. So you end up, what, not talking to anybody then or going through it alone? Yeah, yeah. but I, I think at that point, I kind of felt like I, I, I had been doing it alone anyway, just because of my, the nature of the journey. So I was having, of, um, you know, right. going overseas and you know, um, getting involved in some of those 
you know, uh, third world aspects of just, and I'm not really getting involved. I'm not helping anyone. My presence there wasn't, you know, if I really cared, I just would have donated my airfare um, to, 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 to right. you know, and, and also save the planet in the, in the interim. But um, if you deconstruct salvation or reconstruct it in a, in a different way, what then happens to your dad who you'd saved through being, I guess, a Christian? Like, if you're like, no, like, my friends have had dreams of my dad in heaven. Like, what, what, how do you then unpack that? Because it seems like another level of trauma that would be there then, or? Yeah, yeah. I think I took to the idea that um, salvation's for the here and now. Um, you know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand was probably the thing I, I clung closest to. And that these ideas, these dualities of um, extremities of heaven and hell and, and fire and brimstone and, and, um, and, and liberation were all things to be experienced now. So I, I think that was when mm-hmm. my journey entered into um, uh, like mysticism, really. And, and, yeah. and, and then I adopted the idea. I was like, you know, my, I, th- I do believe my dad is in heaven. So I still had the construct of heaven at that okay. point. Yeah. Right. Um, and and then I started moving into there, but and, and then at the same time, around this time in my life now, I, I'd quit that media company. I've been working there for a year. My my wedding business was taking off, and and so I was doing that full time and, and working weekends. So naturally, I was stepping away from the church structure, to which I was probably going to do anyway because I, I couldn't fit into. I couldn't sit there and listen. Tick. While you were there and a heretic, you were still going to church? Because if you are open about these beliefs of like, no, nah, I don't think this, I don't think that, I don't think uh, discriminating against homosexuality is right. Like you wouldn't, you couldn't really be open and honest yeah. in that space, but you were still going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm a, yeah. you know, I'd, I think becoming Christian, I, I, I kind of separated myself from all the friends, the friend community already had, which is really sad for me. Naturally mm-hmm. we just grew apart cause I wanted to evangelize them basically. Um, and so when I left that friend group, really, and, and went into this new one, um, I'd, it became my community, so I still went. But, you know, I, I, I found it really troubling to sit there and you'd listen to like a tithing, offer, a tithing message. And, and the, the premise is, um, you know, someone's praying and they, and they say, bless everyone who's giving, which is great, you know. But so what about the people that can't give? What, what are, yeah. And then the language that we just used on stage, on this platform, on this podium, that um, I'm inviting all my friends into, and I want I want them to be a part of this community with me, um, and they're listening to this thing, and I'm analyzing it from their perspective, thinking, um, you know, just it, it's almost like this exclusive. Bless everyone that has given, but you know, not so. But it insinuates, don't bless the people that didn't give. And I understand the idea. Mm. Like, you should just give anyway. And I think it's probably a good idea just to to, mm. to give 10% of what you earn. I think you'd probably manage your finances. I don't do it. And my, my finances are a mess. Um, mm. You know, I, I, I think it's a good idea. But just the language used around it was so, so polarizing. Yes. It, was, it was so much yeah. duality divide that's yeah. drawn between people who give people who don't people who are gay people who are not yeah. people who believe this people who don't yeah yeah and so all these different ideas and i was trying to get this other idea about you know biblical understanding and then and then it opened up to the world of like interpretation and it's like who's got the right idea here you know there's all these narratives going on i don't want to bring my community my friends in the background here or people that i've met into this place and i just i don't know who's doing the talk on the weekend and 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 if someone does and they say something and i've just brought this a friend or 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 someone that i've met into this new place i'm i'm like 
vulnerable to or uh, re- related to whatever's said on the podium. And I didn't like that setup of, um, uh, of relationship because I, uh, uh, yeah, because then I had to justify for some questions, which is, it's always good to be on the path of thinking about what, what is this life thing that we're in? Um, but naturally I, I just stepped away from it altogether and I really realized I need space. And I think what, what was the driver was, um, reading Jonathan Heights, A Righteous Mind. Um, and I also had a pastor friend, uh, approach me, um, in a space, I said to him, because I'd been dealing with doubt for so long of within the church structure, I said to I said to a pastor friend, I said, I don't, I don't know how long I can keep doing this church thing for. And he gave me the pump up message of, you know, you've got to keep doing it. We all get there. And then a year later, he pulled me out for a beer after work one day. And he said, um, Sam, I should never have said that to you. And I could feel the sincerity in his voice of this just pushover conversation we had briefly once. He said, I should never have said that to you. If you have doubt, you should explore that. And I felt this like liberation, like I needed permission, you know, like a, I was still such a young boy trying to figure all this out. I needed someone to be like, it's okay to actually go down this path um, and, and, and really hold my hand. I think through moving this suffering with me, trying to balance it on my head, and, you know, trying to not mm. get the thing to flop on back on me, I, I, I needed permission. Where are you now? Like what's like, because you've, you've talked us through, like your yeah. your process, like what? Where do you no sit Christianity? With it? Yeah, Fun, like very conservative uh, Pentecostalism. Yeah, to evangelizing, like very spiritual in that very sense. overt, overt, yeah, yeah, overt expressions of yeah. spirituality, yeah, uh, and experiences into now a more like liberal, yeah, uh, metaphorical understanding of these scriptures and mystical these even th- theologies. Yeah. This mystical space. What, is that where you're finished? Is, or are you finished? Or like what's, what's where the process are you now? now? Yeah. I did move before this space, though. I did move into like um, anti evangelizing. Oh, okay. interesting. Tell me about that. Sounds like evangelism is a theme. Yeah, now you're yeah. the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Because in my, in my pursuit of trying to change the opinions of, you know, I had a, there was a, someone shared a, a thing on Facebook and it was about their just, it turned out that Googled image, the photo of the happy family, and they made this story up about this guy. And it doesn't matter if it's real or not. It really doesn't. But he made up a story about a guy who um, was gay and then turned away from his homosexuality and now has a family and kid and, and is very happy. It's like just the, the classic story. of. Um, and you're saying the photo he used on Facebook turned out to be just a Google image of happy yeah. families. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. It's like the, the principle um, so I commented yeah. on this post and said, um, and, and I've got a friend too, and he came into acceptance of himself and, 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 and um, within that acceptance had a, had a wholesome and, and, and heartfelt um, relationship with another man who, and they eventually adopted children um, and, and posted that. Thing. Very provocative. Then, well done. Yeah. Very provocative. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what Facebook's for though, I guess. <laughs> Isn't it? It's all yeah, man. Fucking, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I... Um, and then so we engaged in a private chat because he didn't kind of like what I what I said, um, which was fine. I was happy to make that conversation. And I wanted to chat to him about ideas like hell. I wanted to have these. I wanted to be able to throw an idea, and if he bounced something back that was um, that could defeat my posturing or my argument, that I wanted to know so I could because uh, yeah. I, I was still on this path of seeking truth. Genuine interest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was very and then sincere. if not, you were you wanted to expose his dumb beliefs. You're like, listen, exactly. I'm open if you've got a better idea, but if you don't, I'm gonna change it. 
Yeah, yeah, because I think this is hurtful what, what the conversation was centered mm-hmm. on. So we right. started talking, yeah. and, uh, and every time that I'd pinpoint it, it, started, it was quite interesting. It was so um, aggressive that I started just taking myself out of the conversation and, and just analyzing it. And because every time we'd come together and combat heads on an idea, it started saying like I was a, um, the, like the devil was inside me and was trying to lead people away. And all these kinds of like very erratic, like just... Just like accusing you of being the Antichrist type thing. Yeah. It's just like, man, where are you going with this? And then... Um, and that shocked you out of the debate. You're like, whoa, man, like this is... And you could then see it from outside yourself. Yeah, I didn't get... I wasn't offended. Like if someone's like, you're yeah. the devil, I'm like, oh... Yeah, probably. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's another clickbait you title. Know, I'm the devil. <laughs> yeah. Sam is the devil. Like, yeah, where's, probably. Where's this conversation going with, you know, being yeah. called that? Like, so, right. I, yeah. so, I, so I triggered, so I tried to um, bend and use empathy. So I talked about my own personal experience, very much like this conversation. This is a very empathetic conversation. Yep. I'm talking about experience. No one can really jump yep. on and argue anything, like you know, have yeah. a logical yeah. discussion because it's just me being self-reflective. Over the years, yeah, just talking about so your I, journey. I used, yeah, so I used that mode of conversation with him, and um, and 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 then we'd get somewhere. We'd get he'd, he'd share something else empathetic, and we'd we'd, we'd relate. We'd, we'd start agreeing on things, and then and then I'd say something that's accusational against you know a, an, an idea that was pretty light, and then it was just it was a switch, man, and it was back into aggression. Um, oh. But really, we, we were conversing, honestly, man, I'd stay up to like 3 a.m. talking with this guy. And it happened over weeks. Um, and then it got to a point where I heard so much of his story that and, and I, I knew, I, I came to awareness that he had, what I was trying to deconstruct in his life was this construction of a system of ideas that held himself together as he tried to deal with his daughter's illness. And I'm just there completely, completely just honestly waking off my own ego. Like I'm just there saying, you know, trying to, trying to win the conversation for the sake of myself. And then I realized like, if I do this, what am I leaving? I'm not interested in being this guy's friend. I don't want to fix him. I just want to win. Um, I want to know I'm right. And and I want to, I want to prove to myself I'm right. And I, I just felt disgusting. You know, and, and that's the power of, of blocks you're talking about when you're saying, yeah, man. I want to smash this guy's blocks because my ego wants to be right. Yeah. But then you're realizing those blocks are there protecting him from trauma that I suppose the very same blocks you set up with the trauma of your dad passing. You, I guess you saw like that connection. You, you, you saw a commonality yeah. in your tower of Jenga blocks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was never about his blocks. It's like validate my blocks and I will destroy you in the process, um, which is so much of, of the conversations we have. You know, it's not empathetic. It's, you see shit online and it's just, it's, it's trash. It's just absolute trash and it's, it's ego, it's self-serving. I, everyone's just trying to like <laughs> say their blocks are built better yeah. and built right. The correct And way. you look yeah. at mine and tell me mine are right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then in this, in this, ref, he, he almost married, because I'm like, oh man, this is, this guy's like just built this whole system to, 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 to survive. And, and then I, was, it, I hit a point, I was like, have I done that? What system no, have right. I built? And, and then, um, and then I, you know, entered into, I, I left, I was like, I don't want to continue to anti-evangelize because I, 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 I like doing it. In your attempt to, I guess, knock over his tower and prove how right you were. Sounds like 
he evangelized you in a completely unintentional and different way. Like he exposed to you something about yourself and that interaction as abusive and probably unhelpful on the surface it was, seems to have enlightened you on on some aspect. Like you're saying, you you don't want to ever do that. Yeah, exactly. And he blocks me in the process. So whoever knew that, you know, this kind of aggression that could be a form of evangelizing. (laughs) I guess Um, so. So get on Facebook guys and abuse them. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go hold some signs I mean, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Where, Brooke, where's the red pipe <laughs> so that was, the, that was the closing door to that chapter and I was like I don't want to enter into because um, what's the point of that conversation and so I, I that was when I when I you know I, I think I'd, I'd I'd given it some space and I took a few years away from it just listening to stuff and trying to just um, just uh, get more information and try and try and create some something out now that I'd spaced church away from myself. Um, and so mm. I um, entered into reconstruction. I, I, I started therapy. Um, um, I, I started like seeing formalized. the therapist. Yeah, formalized. Yeah, yeah. Capitalistic. Yeah, pay the man for you. Yeah. Okay. I, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's a guy who it was the dean of a Bible college. So, you know, it was, it was very much someone I could say an idea to and they're not just going to agree with me. They're going to throw things back. I wanted to be challenged. I wanted mm. a safe place where I could throw my ideas at someone without feeling like I'm undoing their blocks. Um, and, okay, you know, this right. guy's he's not going to change. He's he's he, you know, he's an old guy. And I love him to death when I say all this. Interesting. Um, you know, he's, he's formalized his ideas about the world. I can throw my stuff. And I think this is what's lost uh, what what I've missed most about having a church community is having a lot of older people that I can kind of mm. throw things around and look up to, particularly someone that lost their dad early um, in life. Yeah. Mm. To try and uh, remap the journey, we've kind of it's it's ending with you went into this phase of like I've deconstructed from these beliefs. And they're hurting people, they're hurting the gay community, they're hurting women, they're hurting all these different um, groups. And I want to change you so you stop hurting people. Mm. But then, I guess, through that journey, you discovered, well, I can't really change people and I can see why people do certain things. Yeah. Um, and, and then you've moved into this. So you've moved into this space now of what you said is reconstruction. Is this this? It, is this, um, and I, you know, we we don't always want to just label what do you believe to categorize and box people to determine whether you're worth listening to or not. But just to oh, contrast yeah. the ideas that you had before to the ideas you kind of had have now, is this more, I suppose, like very liberal language of Christianity, this very liberal, like prayer is prayer is like helpful as, as a processing mechanism and connecting people and, and salvation is a state of living now and hell can be a state of living now. Is these, are these the like modified Christian ideas that you Hold, are holding yeah. now? Uh, I don't know about now. I, 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 I laid it, I'm yet to come back to it. You know, I, I don't believe in just letting it go. There's a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, eventually I'll come back to it when I'm ready. Um, I've, I've left, a lot of those ideas, you know, when people bring up prayer, I kind of switch off or, 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 or I project, I say, okay, well, that to me is like meditation and they can have that semantic, uh, you know, um, possession or whatever the phrase is, you know, they can, they can use the word like prayer. I'll use the word like meditation. Um, they can say, uh, yeah, something like I'm surrendering something to God and I say, okay, I'm, I'm coming to awareness of um, something that I need to recognize within myself. 
um, you know, because I, I think too with the, a lot of these, you know, we say we we categorize people like Christian or Jewish or, or Hindu and all these they're just so abstract. All these constraints and actually, I was chatting to a friend uh, a few weeks ago and he said to me because we we're talking about this kind of stuff and he said to me, Sam, have you really changed that much? Um, you know, you might do all these different things now, but are you really that different? Um, you know, and it kind of reminds me of when people say that you look at Paul and Saul in the Bible and you think, look how different he is. You know, you, you got someone who was like, who used to kill Christians and was like just a, a figurehead within the a Jewish community, swapped to like a, a, a saved Christian. But if you look at him, he's still, he's still crazy. He's still radical. He's still very, very radical. A proper change would have been like Saul, who used to kill Christians, becoming an accountant for, and just wanting like a, a pretty low key or becoming incredibly capitalistic. Like that's a proper change. Like just changing your mode is, isn't a change. You've just found a new source. Like you're still very, yeah. very radical. Yeah. And it, it was really quite a challenging thing to conceptualize because it was, uh, um, you know, have I changed that much? Probably not. I'm still probably radical. Like I'm having this conversation with you and I'm happy to have it. Um, you know, this mm-hmm. is a form of evangelizing. I'm speaking out to, to ideas that I hold and ideas I disagree with. And I guess that's the question. Like, are you, would you be hoping to have someone change their mind because of what you're sharing? Yeah. I mean, that might be one definition of evangelism. Yeah, sure. Um, to an extent, I think I have less control because I'm, I'm less trying to search for what's, I really want, which is control of myself, which is control of um, my my dad's death or these ideas of, you know, um, and all that. So, um, you know, within therapy, um, I, I, and I was away from the church, I could really, um, my, my therapist encouraged me to kind of go back into mourning really about some of those things in my early childhood. Um, and uh, he, he was encouraging me to go meet my family in New Zealand that I hadn't kind of talked to for, for almost 10 years at that point um, since my dad's death. And so uh, that was the next step, which um, I, 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 through experiencing some of these stories, which I'm sure I'll share, um, I came to a, um, I think, you know, just a reflective position where I really realized that I, I kind of stepped aside mourning stepped aside the mourning process and really need to come back and um, revisit a lot of these ideas I put away. Like I had a lot of shame about, um, you know, I always had this perception that my dad kind of gave up on life and didn't really want to be a part of things. It was kind of, I wrote a poem actually about this thought process. Um, and so I, I had, I kept having this idea that he, I, he wasn't proud to be my dad. And I have all these dreams all the time where, where he'd, I'd, I'd see him and he'd be like, oh, I didn't actually die. I just wanted to get away from you guys, basically. Um, and I, continuously, and, and I never dealt with any of that kind of stuff because I, I never had to. I was dealing with the, all these other narratives. I could push it at bay. But through therapy and, and, and coming back to some of the dreams I was having at the time, which were you know reflective of my subconscious thinking and the things that are lurking in the back of my mind, I could really confront again some of those things that, that were the, you know, I, like you could kind of get abstract here and say it was a form of hell, this torment that my dad had left me um, in, in, in doing that. But I'd find salvation through through confronting the idea and going through a mourning process. You substituted your physical father for like a, a, a heavenly father, so to speak. Right. And that allowed you to suppress all of your emotions around that death of your father by the sounds of it because i'm not a, a 
you may have never like truly encountered the death of your yeah. father yeah. when you go yeah. into a belief system that says, no, no, he's in heaven now. Yeah. And so you're yeah. like, okay, so it's like, like he's still alive somewhere else. You, know, you just can't yeah, access him. Yeah. So now. it's like, oh, you know, yeah, you well, that's okay. Yeah. And, mm. and so that's, a, that's kind of what I want to like go back a tiny bit just to get a bit more insight on just because I'm curious. Um, yeah. So, so that trauma that like your dad dies once and then you, you go into that and go, okay, it's goodbye for now, but he'll be in heaven and we'll deal with that. Mm. When you deconstructed that version of heaven and that construction of God and, and this belief system that, that was holding your dad, what then happened to that trauma like, did you go because you didn't have a belief system? Was that another painful experience? Because it's like your father died again. Yeah, almost. like you didn't have you didn't have that belief system to fall back on. Did you form another one, or how did you then? How did what did you see happen to that trauma as you were moving away from that belief system? Yeah, it's very true because I, 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 you know, I, I always thought God was leading me out of this some of the, the ideas or I always thought I was on the journey with the divine. So I always, I wasn't, I wasn't angry. I wasn't like, I mean, I was angry at the system, but I wasn't angry at continuing on in the relationship. And so, um, I think, uh, and I, I and only really reflecting on this and having maybe this idea right now with you guys is that I, th- I think I couldn't give up the heaven idea because I needed to keep him real until I dealt with a lot of the issues that I need to deal with to put him at rest. Um, and I had this, I had this experience in New Zealand where um, I, I arrived in Christchurch and I saw, I caught up with his sister. And, you know, a lot of the things about my dad, you know, I don't remember the sound of his voice. I think he could walk past me and I, I wouldn't quite recognize him. Um, and so when I saw his sister again, a lot of like, you know, the shape, the, the, the puffy cheeks that he used to have, or, you know, the, the, the framework of his, uh, you know, the brow structure, a lot of these things came back to me and I was confronted almost with this, um, with, with my dad again in a, in a certain way through his sister. And so we caught up and, and we chatted and it was coincidentally his birthday. Um, and so I, and in that process, I'd met all these other family members and heard all these other stories, um, about my dad. Um, cause at the time too, my, my parents didn't have the best relationship and, you know, my dad was kind of, uh, uh, to everyone, it kind of seemed like he gave up on, on life. So we all had different narratives and through therapy, Neil made it um, aware to me that, um, I didn't have to adopt my mom's, uh, 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 relationship as my own to my dad. So he could have been a loving guy to me, which he was, he was amazing, but not to my mom. And that's okay. And I, I needed to find dependence in my ideas to come to that. To, to draw that conclusion out properly and to and to live in that in that in that epiphany or in that revelation um, of, of that experience and so through meeting all these different families and hearing all these alternative stories because you know my dad died young I didn't hear that much I didn't get to know him quite as much as the others I I, I came to realize that he did want to be here you know and he was he, he was so proud of us. He used to always send photos back to New Zealand. And I was like, oh man, this guy was really proud. And this is all last year, by the way. I'm not like 10 when I'm experiencing this. I'm like, a, I'm like apparently a, a man. <laughs> I can, you know, <laughs> after voting. Well, how old are you just for, the, just for people listening? I'm 25 now. Yeah, 25. It's a big journey. Yeah, I'm almost like 10 years older. Frig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, you know, in, in finding and, and experiencing these other stories of my father and realizing, you know what, I truly belong to this to this family. Vincent is my last name just as much as theirs. 
Um, and particularly because I was a black sheep in the family in terms of my religion, I had all these different ideas. I didn't feel like I was part of it. And so letting go of that, coming back into my family heritage, hearing these stories of all these different members within the Vincent family in New Zealand, I got to a point where, um, you know, I wanted to, we had spread his ashes on a mountain in New Zealand back in 2009, uh, 2000 and it was either 2010 or 2009, just after he died. And we climbed this mountain and, and cry, overlooking Christchurch and through his ashes. Um, and it was really beautiful. But And I wanted to go back there. And I, I was trying to drive around this, the mountainscape looking for it. And eventually I was like, it doesn't matter where it was. I'm just going to climb up one um, and with a photo. And I'm just going to take some time on his birthday and reflect. And so I did. I climbed up and I had a photo of him. And I was just meditating on this hill. And I, and I wrote down on the back of a photo, which I dug into the ground with my hands. And I wanted to bury... Uh, thanks, Sarah. I wanted to bury this photo into the dirt um, as a form of reflection and as a form of like, happy birthday, dad. I'm so happy I'm here in New Zealand finding out more about you. I wrote on the back of this photo because I would dealt with so much shame in, in this last part of this section. I wrote on the back um, of this photo, uh, I, I remember it almost word for word. I wrote, wrote on it, um, I'd spent the last 10 years wondering if you were proud of me. And it's, not, it's only till now that I realize that I'm so proud to be yours. Um, on happy birthday, um, love Sam. Oh, love and kisses Sam because that's how he signed off all these cards to me. And I buried this photo into the into the to the ground. And that to me, you know, I climbed the mountain. The mountain was this metaphor uh, for my life at that point last year. And um, I climbed this mountain with this photo. I dug into the ground with my hands and I buried this thing and I put the dirt back on. And I I had a mantra. I said a prayer in that form of um, posturing as you know, life is sacred and special and. Um, dealing with um, finding almost like salvation through through that story of putting him to rest. And then walking back down, I felt liberated. I felt amazing. And then, you know, I think since then I've really put to bed because I couldn't kill God yet. You know, I I had such a hard time killing killing God. And it's such an abstract idea, but I think in a fundamentalist view, I'm you know, I've only just recently killed God. Um but I could kill heaven after that point because I didn't need it to be real. I'm okay with him being dead now. I'm just totally fine with me. And I'm happy, I'm happy for other people to, you know, eventually take their toll and, 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 and to head into the, you know, whatever's next as well. But, and experiencing, re, 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 like, um, facing, coming, coming to terms with that was such a good process. I wish I'd, I wish I'd never, um, put that aside and left it into the next world. I wish I'd dealt it in here and now because it was such a good healing process for me. As I listened to your story, which is like amazing and we're so thankful that you're willing to share it with us. Um, oh, thanks. But it sounds to me like your your therapy has been really crucial to mm. the development of, of like it, it walks along with your theology almost it's like yeah, you it's quite a quite spiritual journey yeah that's right so how do you reconcile like the old evangelical evangelist sam and this one like what like looking back at him like what do you say to to him yeah what would you say to the like what would you say to the different stages of sam what would you say yeah. to teenage sam who has just, just, lost just his started. Dad. Yeah, just started this journey into what evangelical. What would you say to evangelical Sam? What would you say to anti evangelical Sam? Evangelical Sam was never listening. I think um, 
Uh, I would just, I, I just would have, yeah, I just would have given him a hug. I would, I would have listened to him and patted him along the journey, which is an incredibly insightful thing to, to realize. Because you, you know, in in that, in that framework, you should do that to others that are, that are in that, you know, you you kind of can empathize with some of the frameworks. And I'm not saying like, I mean, Jesus could be our savior, and majority of us are going to hell. I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm not discrediting anyone's experience. You know, there's a lot of people that still, you know, adapt these narratives. Um, Anti-evangelizing Sam, I would have just given him a hug as well. Like accepting each, each, each part of you as the stage that leads you to you here. Like, do yeah. you, where you are now, do you hold any, any, cause I know like I have a few, a few friends who uh, were Christian and then, then like flick the switch and then kind of like Dawkins, great angry atheist and very like, and when I hear in there, in yeah, their talking, they're like, I hear the story of, I was such an idiot to believe yeah, that yeah. stuff. And I, I hear it, maybe it's just me, but that's just what I hear. Like, yeah. how do you reflect on yourself? Like, do you have a shame from like where you have come from or, or like when you're saying you, you're yeah. giving, you give those Sam's a hug, it doesn't, it sounds like sounds an like embrace. A, a lot of grace and yeah. humility for it. Partially. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I gotta be entirely honest and say there's still so much anger and shame. Like if someone just started wording off things, I'd, I'd be, I'd be angry. I'd, I'd have to process it. Some things would probably trigger me a certain way. Um, I'd try my best to see it as a, a form of, uh, an opportunity uh, to be self-reflective, you know, and, and in that, if I do, I, I think that's a good note to take because if I do feel shame about that process, if I do look back and, and feel shame, am I just posturing myself to be uh, not accepting towards people that are in that situation? Um, you know, are, are they correlated? Is that connected? Can I, do I need to come, do I need, instead of approaching them to change them, do I, do I need to confront the shame in myself? And then in doing so, that will empower me to be accepting of them truly without criticism. A, a big idea that helped me posture towards this was um, deconstructing and listening to ideas around uh, the illusion of free will, which I know that will tickle Conrad's fancy as his first podcast ever. You know, just this whole fact of, you know, when I wake up tomorrow and I feel like a coffee, am I freely choosing to have a coffee or is my body withdrawing from a certain chemical um, uh, to influence me to go get a coffee? And truly, if we have free will, we need to, you know, we need to define it first. So I think it should be that uh, the ability to will free of influence. And as soon as you have an influence, it, the, 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 we, can, we can make, we make, we think we make decisions um, and there's choices in front of us, uh, but um, our, our, the decisions we will take is already very much already chosen, you know, and I think there's some brain scan they can do where they think they can, you know, uh, know what decision you're about to make if things are laid out in front of you on a table, like up to six seconds before you even make it because your brain's operating and then the thought comes to surface and then you're aware of it and then you make that selection. Um, you know, and we're fueled with testosterone and estrogen um, and even my different levels of testosterone throughout the day will make me make certain decisions, you know, and if anyone's thinking this guy doesn't believe in free will, that's pretty crazy. There's a, there's Sam Harris um, has an amazing presentation on it. You, you mentioned it and I'm sure some people were like, well, hang on, what's what? going on there? <laughs> um, I wrote in my notes, killing God, WTF. <laughs> so... You really like yeah. briefly like drop this. You it sounds like um like this like this video game. You were just moving through and you're like killing, yeah. 
like different theologies that that stopped your family you from getting up, in, and was, so you you one, killed the, you the killed the homosexuality <laughs> doctrine, <laughs> yeah. and then you killed the, the 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 hell one to get your family in and out yeah. of hell. And now you're at like the big boss God, and you just mentioned like killing God. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, sure. I think um, you know, I, I don't mean that k- killing God in a way that now I'm like this, you know, this aggressive atheist. Um, I'm really not. I needed to kill this idol that I created of God. That I was in this conversation. Actually, this will lead well into into to a poem I wrote specifically for this. I, you know, having that voice in your head that's like the God voice talking to you, the the voice saying all the good things. You know, talk to this person, help that person through that. Um, I wanted to kill this idea that I was in this immediate communication because uh, I, 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 you know, I think all things are sacred. I think everything's divinity. Um, I, you know, uh, but killing the God, I needed to kill that construction I had. I needed it to not be so, um, so, so set. I needed it to, 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 to almost like melt back into water and be completely fluid and completely receptive and completely open and not ever try and tribalize myself into a category. And, you know, walking through some of the ideas out of it and, and also in the process, letting go of, of death and trauma and, and, and confronting those elements of my life, I was able to get to the end battle between me and God, uh, which was, you know, like a five year journey of, of getting up, up the level. So even a 10 year journey since the beginning of my relationship with Christianity, um, where I, 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 I yeah, we, 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 we can create idols of anything. We can create idol, idol, we can idolize the Bible. We can create an idol of Jesus. We can create an idolize, idolize God. And so really, I think what I mean by killing God, and I'm still working it out, is um, um, it's not just like letting go and becoming an atheist. It's just being almost just having a healthy form of mysticism, being open to everything. Um, so like expanding, are you, are you kind of killing like, one, a narrow vision of yeah. God, and it's like you're killing to expose a by larger saying God picture. isn't this hell creating God. Yeah. So I'm going to kill yeah. that God, and now, but this concept of God of infinite love has opened has up. now opened up because yeah. that narrow one is dead. Is that a f- kind of what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I think because um, you know the the thing at the top controls everything, so. You know, if, if I want to keep this communication in with God, do I do I need to come back to all these doctrines? Uh, I think that's what I mean by the final battle with killing God. Um, mm. So, but yeah, you know, I, and maybe I can come back and, and when I figure yeah. it out in a couple well, of years. Well, before but we in the go, meantime, what do these ideas do for you now? Like, how do these ideas serve you? Like, is your I want to know what it what it does to the way you move through the world now, like contrasting like how you were before and, and now. Cause okay. yeah. Cause obviously you had ideas that you moved away from because they weren't working. They weren't and, serving. And yeah. like you were saying, you might even move away from some of these ideas as you grow and change. But that question Cam's just asked. Yeah. How do these ones now help you engage with the world? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, I, I think I, I cling most to the whole philosophy around there not being free will. So basically, um, we're all in this, we're all connected in this thing that's when we're all reacting to each other. Um, um, but now I can, uh, I, like, I feel, you know, some form of maturity and, and it's a practice, you know, just flip a switch and it's on, you know, if something triggers me, it's like, 
now I don't need to see that as its its own being attacking my ego and be offended. I can see it, leave it, and and let it reflect to me something that I, I obviously have a problem within with, with with myself. Like if I'm triggered by fundamentalists, what is it within me that 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 is that? It's no longer this like duality of me and them, us and you know this this right. combative aggression, this duality. It's very non-dual. It's more this like I'm this being in this world, and and, and I want to be good. Um, yeah. I want to be good to others and I want to help others. And, and that's always been the case. I think everyone's kind of like that. Um, yeah. And so now it's like, yeah, it's liberating. You know, I can, I, I can just see things reflecting something about myself without this anxiety that's attached to a lot of these concepts, concepts like damnation and hell, it's severe consequences. Um, and it's, it's liberating. I can breathe. Yeah. So mm. it sounds to me like that's a constant throughout your life. Like you always had this desire, like going to the Philippines and, and spending time in the slums and all those sorts of things. Like you've had this constant of like trying to help people, but it's what I'm hearing, what I'm picking up from you is that your new way of understanding and moving through the world is one that actually you find more humanity, more grace, more um, openness yeah. towards other people. Because they're not morally to blame. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you, I can't blame them. Got, yeah, you've got more grace for them in in a lot of ways by the sounds uh, of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what is this? What is the construction of this other being? Um, right. Yeah. What factors led to the, how they are? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't need to like you know. It's it's. Uh, I had this idea. I was playing with this idea that you know, as as the minute you put in like a, a flick into this vortex of like, because you know, I, I could be angry and drive to the shops and piss someone off on my way, and then they piss off their family, and then this whole thing of just aggression is in. I, I flick this thing into this vortex, and as soon as I do that, I I, I take responsibility for the whole thing, for this whole mm. you know, imagine like a tornado type thing, and mm. I take responsibility for it all. Rather than the, being like that guy's to blame, he's to blame. It's like no, I'm all. I'm. This is me. This is mine as well. Yeah. Look, it's it's this side of my journey is so fresh. It's so um so full of nuance. It's confusing, and I'm sorry for all that. Um, you know, the the later parts I've had a lot more time to digest. So I'm still coming to terms with some of these ideas of you know killing God and how to actually properly communicate that without sounding like a sociopath, to which I pretty much am. Uh, but I did write it. I, I wrote it like a um, a eulogy for. I call it a, a eulogy for my angel, or a, a eulogy for an angel, because part of this um, journey was was um, dying to the God voice of like this. There's a being and it's talking to me and it has a voice, like a verbal, literal voice. Um, um, and I will read it for you. So a eulogy for my angel. Uh, when I was just barely a boy, I watched your giant dancing silhouette cast gently against the burning room in which it beckons everything I thought I knew. From then till now, you've never left my side. You were the cry. It's okay, boy. It's okay. You were the hum. Don't be afraid, boy. Don't be afraid. You were the cheer. Keep going, boy. Keep going. And you were the strength that held my hand when the other gripped my father's ashes and you were the wind that carried them to rest. And now I carry you, dear friend, to rest, as the greatest gift of all you did was sacrifice yourself to me and showing me that my shadow could cast itself the size of a giant. Oh yes, for your greatest cheer of all, you revealed to me. It was not in fact your silhouette, but my shadow against the dying night, and the dancing was my soul, my soul dancing a light, in the flames of this burning world, being itself yearning for what is right, what is love, and what is life. 
And so it's just this mock together of the voice is very useful. And it's not, I don't, I don't look back and think, look angrily and think what a waste of time. I needed it. I needed, I needed my hand to be held to, mm. uh, to, to face a lot of what was going on. Um, mm. But the greatest, it's, it's almost like a parable in nature. It's the greatest gift that it gave to me was showing me that it was me all that way that I had the strength, I had the right. courage. Um, yeah. and, it, and it's, it's, a, it's an empowering thing. And I'm sorry if, mm. for anyone that it, it seems like it's discrediting their faith. It's really not the case. Um, I wrote another about, uh, the, the, the relationship to my memories. Cause I used to have this idea about my dad being, um, and I, and I will say actually one note on that I think is so, um, my value on poetry. I think comedians, it's, it's, there's a good, um, there's a good little thing by David Foster Wallace and he talks about fish mm. in the water. Can I briefly read it? Can I, is yeah. it cool if we take yeah. five more minutes? So um, David Foster Wallace has this uh, parable of sorts as well. He, he tells, he's, here it is. He says, there are these two young fish swimming along and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way who nods at them and says, morning boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit and then eventually one of them looks over the other and goes, what the hell is water? Um, and so it's, it's, it's almost, we always look at ourselves as the guy who sees the water, but we're also the guy who doesn't see the water. We're, we're, paradoxically, we're, 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 we're the same. We're, the things we don't see are the things we see. Um, and I, I think the power of poetry uh, is, is pointing out what's in the water, what's right in front of us. I think it's the power of communication. I think comedy does that in a way where it intellectualizes an idea, but it, it communicates that through humor. And so... It'll be like, here's something that is so ridiculous that we all do. And, and, and now here's a joke to land it. And that's the bridge. It bridges out humor and we all connect. And we think, yeah, that is fucking ridiculous. Um, and then uh, poetry does that. It, it extends the bridge in, in a similar way. But it does that through, um, through, through experience, through suffering. And if you just let yourself listen to a poem... Um, and you and you just see what arises in your mind. It's there where you can really uh, bridge along to some form of self reflection in yourself. Mm. Um, yeah. um, I've got this. There's two others. Well, before sharing, going into a, a guy called David White, I'll, I'll share one that I wrote about my dad. I was in um, I was in uh, it was ten years since the anniversary. I was in Amsterdam. I got this mm. pine tree tattoo. I said to my mate Josh, I said, "Can you draw me something real quick?" Um, uh, uh, cause I, I had this idea of a pine tree cause I had all these memories when I was a kid of him taking a swimming and he'd be the dad that sat under the tree and not came and swam. And I thought, you know, I, I saw that as weakness that he didn't want to spend time mm. as that. But then when I, uh, went through therapy and went into mourning uh, and came around to these, these new revelations or these new ideas, how I remembered uh, how I related to those memories of him was actually one of strength, like it, being a boy and every time I'd wave into, you know, up towards the tree, he'd look back and wave. And so I saw that mm. as a strength that he was always watching rather than mm. clinging to the, to the weakness as a form of transformation of self. And so this is the poem. Mm. It's called Changing Colors and Memories. Um, so pass, pass the burning altar on dying seed, cancer in the collar of what he breathes. Abandoning the shade you've misconceived along shores of dismay, you will soon leave. Time passed through the west and so does he. Am I left with his disease? Was that my belief or did I misbelieve the changing colours of new memories? I seek my father beneath the old pine tree, my hands to the sky, always met by thee. Ten years have gone by and it's now I see with my hands raised high, you are part of me. 
like when to the waves as salt to, to the sea you my love are part of me um and that was mm. the way that that memory for Beautiful. me transformed into yeah. this um and into this ultimate connection and oneness and so I, we can finish off with these other two i think they're fantastic there's one about um unrequited love and there's a, one i use as a mantra and i have used for about a fortnight now every day i wake up i listen to this one um called what to remember when waking by david white in that first hardly noticed moment in which you wake coming back to this life from the other more secret movable and frighteningly honest world where everything began there is a small opening into the new day which closes the moment you begin your plans and what you can plan is too small for you to live what you can live wholeheartedly will make plans enough for the vitality hidden in your sleep to be human is to become visible while carrying what is hidden as a gift to others to remember the other world in this world is to live in your true inheritance you are not a troubled guest on this earth you are not an accident amidst other accidents you were invited from another and greater night than the one from which you have emerged now looking through the slanting light of the morning window toward the mountain presence of everything that can be what urgency calls you to your one love what shape waits in the seed of you to grow and spread its branches against the future sky is it waiting in the fertile sea in the trees beyond the house in the life you can imagine for yourself in the open and lovely white page on the writing desk that's what to remember when waking by david white um mm. and uh I, I, the the part that gets me most there is the um the, the the beginning surrender the waking up and giving up to the uh yeah. to the what you can plan is too small for you to live what you can live wholeheartedly will make plans enough like all these projections yeah, yeah. we place on a on a waking yeah. days um yeah. the final one is a blessing for unrequited love which i think uh you know for so many people um and this could be for another person or yourself or for anything that's measurable to our standards of love um this this one is shows the power of posturing yourself to to really uh bless something that you don't get back um and it's wholesome and it's brutal and it's beautiful it's called blessing for unrequited love by david white a blessing on the eyes that do not see me as i wish a blessing to the ears that can never hear the far inward footfall of my own shy heart blessings to the life in you that you will live without me to the open door that now and forever takes you away from me blessings to the path that you follow alone and blessings to the path that awaits you joining with another a blessing for the way you will not know me in the years to come and with it a blind outstretched blessing of my hands on anything or anyone that cannot ever come to know me fully as i am and therefore a blessing even for the way i will never fully know myself above all the deepest kindest wishes of my own hidden and untrammeled heart for what you had to hide from me in you let me be generous generous enough and large enough and brave enough to say goodbye to you without understanding to let you go into your own understanding may you always be in the sweet central hidden shadow of my memory without needing to know who you were when you first came who you were when you stayed and who you will become in your freedom now that you've passed through my life and gone and so you know you, you can't that that speaks of all kinds of all relationships in love that 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 is um 
that, that you don't quite get back. And it shows the power and brutality of poetry in a way that we can mm. um, kind of face a lot of the trauma. So I, I mm. hope people enjoy that. That's been remarkable in my life for, for the last little Yeah, bit. yeah. Mm. We should put those, we should put some links to those in the show notes. Your, like the humanity that like you've shown mm. through your journey and it just kind of culminated honesty, yeah. in, in, in poetry to be like, here's a journey. And yeah, poetry and art has this way of capturing, like you're trying to explain your journey, which involves these indescribable spiritual things. Like, like the human journey, if I'm to define what spirituality is, like a human is, is more than the sum of its parts. Like mm. sure, I'm a, bio, I'm a neurology firing in my brain. I'm a certain collection of biology but i think what you've like really shown is that to reduce people to ideas mm. and to re- like if we had if we had a discussion about what you believe and and how hell might be real and versus not real or, or these beliefs like we we wouldn't ever get to this level of humanity that you've just openly and honestly re- like really shared with us like it, it you 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 use words like you showed us your heart and, and like that as the metaphor to be like, I feel like, like everyone listening and, and at least for myself and and probably Cam, Mm. like, I feel like there's this level of, of knowing your journey. Like, and, and as I'm listening, like I, at no point, like, am I concerned about like, what you believe versus yeah. something else. Are you else. believing like, the right thing? Like maybe yeah. it's maybe it's just me, but I I, I want to thank you, Sam, because yeah. you you've really like sh- shown what it is to just like occupy a space where it's like that's not the level we're engaging on anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's not the level that's important anymore. Yeah. And I and I think I have you to thank for like just modeling what it looks like to just be just openly honest and and yeah. really vulnerable. Uh, to just anybody listening being like people will make assumptions people will yeah. think things but you know what here's my journey and here's yeah. my heart and here's here's the things that have happened and and to be honest I think everyone who listens to this show it, they're already people who, yeah. who kind of get it and so Sam it's it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and, and kind of have you on board like helping like this platform Artist Digest kind of push forward what we're like trying to do and that's just yeah. connect with the humanity of everybody if we can just take the time to to do that so again thanks thank you it's really kind Mm. still on that journey i haven't figured it out if you if you want to get married and you (laughs) you need a videographer sam did the video of my wedding it's epic it used to be like you would have done mine if i had no no who it was oh thanks man (laughs) (laughs) Should we recommit our vows, do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Just pay so, me. Just forget about yeah, the rest. Okay. <laughs> Sam, like, is there anything you want to, like, wrap up with or clarify or... I, I just hope, you know, it's not... Don't take my journey as uh, discrediting your own if you hold mm. faith. It's not the point of it. Um, and then, yeah. That would be something that I'd feel sad about if someone was like, mm. you know, yeah. But... Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm happy with how things went. I'm still working out, you know, obviously as we talk through the whole killing God, it's very abstract for me still and it's not something I've come mm. to um, reflect on properly. If you are listening and you have any questions, you want to connect with us, you can send an email to idisdigest at gmail.com, point us down a rabbit hole. We'll follow it. Fear no ideas. Mm-hmm. You can connect with us on Instagram. We we try and like get ideas from everybody listening and, and talk to people and talk about ideas that are interested to, to you. Rate and review us on iTunes and tell a friend because 
you know, if your friend's a good enough friend, maybe they'll listen to it and yeah. you can <laughs> you can help. Uh, and you can have a conversation with your friend. Expand <laughs> the community because the yeah. wider the community, the wider the viewpoint and the wider the understanding. Uh, that's the goal anyway. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in and we will catch you in the next episode.